You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. We're going to welcome Adrian together now. Let's just put our hands together. A warm welcome to Adrian. It's great to have you with us. Great. Well, Tim, thank you so much. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. And I thought, uh, for those of you I don't know, just to kind of help us I get to know each other, but I thought maybe I'd just introduce myself by telling you a funny story. So 22 years ago, I asked, uh, this is actually on our honeymoon, I asked my new wife, Julia, an important question. I asked her, why did you marry me? And she answered, well, I could see that you needed help. And she wasn't kidding, because actually, for the four years before we got married, I only ate tinned meat. (laughs) I had four tins that I used to rotate, Sainsbury's chili con carne, Sainsbury's chicken korma, Sainsbury's chicken madras, and in my opinion, the prince of Sainsbury's tinned meat range, Chicken Supreme. (laughs) In fact, Julia looked me in the eye once, and she said, I know dogs that have got a more varied diet than you. Anyway, many years later, um, we were living in uh, Birmingham, and uh, I sat down with Esther, Esther's our eldest daughter, and I told her the big news. The big news that as a family, we were moving from Birmingham to London. And Esther asked me an excellent question. She said, Daddy, she, she was only four years old at the time. She asked me, Daddy, when we moved to London... We'll have new neighbors, won't we? I said, yes, Esther, we will. She said, Daddy, they won't like you. (laughs) Incredulous, I asked, why? Why won't they like me? She said, well, she said, you've got no hair. (laughs) And so I found a photograph to prove to Esther that I did once have hair, and here it is. Oh, yes. Now, around the time that this photo was taken, uh, folks, I didn't go to church. Uh, In fact, I didn't go to church. I didn't have any friends who went to church. But then I was invited along, somewhere out of the blue, to a local church, and I said yes. Why? Why did I say yes? Perhaps because I wondered... Is there more to life than this? You live, you work, you die. Is that it? I thought that might not be it. I thought there might be a God. I thought there might be a loving God who created us deliberately in the hope of having a relationship with us. Now, why on earth would I think that? Well, because even though I was uncertain about almost everything else, there were two facts that I was sure of. Number one, science has shown us that the universe began to exist. We now know that the universe began to exist. Albert Einstein's brilliance and Edwin Hubble's observations led scientists to a startling discovery. The realization that our universe has not always been here. We now know 
that the universe began to exist at a beginning moment, and we know that that beginning moment was the beginning of space, time, matter, and energy. So, whatever the cause of our universe is, that cause is outside of space, time, matter, and energy. So, whatever the cause of our universe is, that cause must be spaceless, timeless, immaterial, and enormously powerful. Hmm. Secondly, we now know that if any of the initial conditions and quantities at that beginning moment had been even very slightly different, we know we wouldn't be here. Whether you take gravity or electromagnetism or neutrons or electrons or the speed at which the universe expands, if you mess with any of those numbers, if you touch any of the dials, or for that matter affect any other of many factors, there'd either be no universe or there would be no life. The fine-tuning required for there to be a planet Earth and for there to be advanced organic life on the surface of planet Earth, the fine-tuning required, the fine-tuning is staggering. So, given a choice between either the view that says our universe popped into existence out of nothing for absolutely no reason at all, or the view that says our universe began to exist because a creator God uh, created us, wanting to have a relationship with us, I thought that God was at least possible. So when I was invited to church, I turned up. I decided it was not crazy to turn up. Now, I had never, ever read the Bible. I'd never so much as opened a Bible, never read anything in the Bible but at this church, the church that I turned up at was Wimbledon Baptist Church, I discovered that at Wimbledon Baptist Church, they took the Bible seriously. I had never even come across that before. And of course, as you can imagine, I had lots of questions. These, incidentally, are the sort of questions that, if you like, you can explore on an Alpha course. So I was asking, uh, I mean, loads of things. Hang on a minute. Uh, how do you know the Bible is trustworthy? How do you know that what it says about Jesus, for example, is reliable? How do you know that it hasn't been changed? Besides, uh, even if there is a good God, how can, how can there be a good God given all the bad things that happen in the world? I would have given you 20 uh, questions, doubts, objections, straight off the bat. But while I was asking all of these questions, which I did in a fairly kind of intense way, Something else was also happening at the same time. You see, when I went back to the 6.30 evening service at Wimbledon Baptist Church, which I began to do on a regular basis, I found that I would often be in tears during the singing bit. And I didn't know why. You see, I was very happy with my life. I wasn't in a kind of a troubled or needy place. But there was something, there was something about the person of Jesus Christ that I found was real. Now, 
not everybody is intrigued to investigate whether or not the Bible is reliable, but I was. Okay, I was. So I studied history at university. So I wasn't going to take this Christianity thing any further unless I came across really solid, compelling evidence that this thing could be trusted. And I was surprised to find how strong the evidence was. And if you're interested in this, you can investigate this evidence for yourself on an alpha course. So initially, I was like, yeah, I mean, I can see how all this helps some people, but I don't, I don't think that I need this. Nine months later, I was like, I now know there were really good reasons to think that Jesus was and is who he claimed to be and that there are good reasons to take the Bible's claim seriously. So, after going along to Wimbledon Baptist Church every Sunday at half past six for nine months, I heard a sermon on the following verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And there were three points to this sermon. Um, I can't remember anything about the sermon apart from these points, and these are just how I remember them. So here were the three points. Number one, this verse means that you are valuable to God. This verse says that God wants to give you a gift. If the creator of the universe wants to give you a gift, that means you must be valuable to God. Point two, the fact that God wants to give you the gift of eternal life, well, that sounds like good news. Point three, God's gift of eternal life is given through Jesus Christ. So if it's okay with you guys, I'd just like to mention these three points. And as I do, I'll just tell uh, some stories or illustrations from my own life to help or try and help make sense of them as we go along. Okay, number one, apparently, according to this verse, God wants to give you a gift. This gift is for you, and it's not a case of mistaken identity. And I was just wondering on this first point, maybe I could just tell you uh, about a funny thing, an amusing thing that happened on the day when Emma, Emma's our youngest daughter, when Emma was born. Now, folks, all four of our children have all been born by caesarean section. Okay? So what this means for me is that I attend the operation. Yeah? And I, um, they make you dress up in the medical outfit, like the blue overalls, yeah? You know what I'm talking about? So you have on this blue top, blue trousers. They made me wear this sort of blue kind of shower cap thing, which is, well, me looks a bit ridiculous because I haven't got any hair. Like, what's the point? But anyway, they put, put that on. And I have to wear these white Wellington boots. I mean, even now, I don't really know what the point of the Wellington boots why, what's the deal with that? Anyway, white Wellington boots. So the thing is, look, I walk into the operating theatre, you know, thus attired. I walk in, and then I walk into the operating theatre. My wife's not there. Judy's not there. She's still next door, you know, doing whatever they do. And so there's just, there's me in, in, the, in the operating theatre. There's just one person. There's a nurse who's standing right over the other side of the room. So it's just me and her. So I say, hello. Uh, my name's Adrian. She says, oh, hello, I'm Sarah. I say, um... Uh, have you been working here at the hospital for long? And she said, well, no, I've actually only been here a couple of weeks. I said, oh, all right. Um, I said, do you live over this 
side of London. She said, oh, no, I live right over the other side. I've been working at the hospital the other side of London. Now I've come back. Oh, right, right. I live over the other side of London. Oh, right, yeah. Um, so I'm just sort of making conversation. And I say, um, have you been in the operating theatre for many of these cesarean section operations? She said, oh, yeah. She said, over the years, loads. Yeah, 100, 200, loads over the years. She said, how about you? I said, well, actually, this is my fourth. She said, really? She said, only your fourth? I thought, what a strange question. <laughs> so I think four's a lot. Don't you think four's a lot? Yeah? I mean, if I walked out the, down the steps down, I walked into the centre of Ipswich, you know, with a clipboard and a pen, and I just stopped men at random, and I said, oh, hello, sorry, sir, sorry to bother you, I'm just doing a survey of men in Ipswich. Could I just ask you one question? Sir, how many cesarean section operations have you personally attended? Most men, most men would say none. You know, a, a, a few would say one, or a few might say two, but to find another man like me who would say four? That would be quite unusual, don't you think? But when I say to her, well, actually, this is my fourth, she says, really, she says? Only your fourth? So I say, well, yeah, actually, I mean, all three of our previous children have also all been born by cesarean section. At which point she bursts out laughing. She's like, <laughs> you're the dad. I said, yeah. She said, <laughs> I thought you were the surgeon. <laughs> and of course, you know, to be fair, from her point of view, it was probably an easy mistake to make. I probably, when I walked in the room, had an air of competence. I must have looked like the sort of person who could easily perform a complicated medical procedure. But, but no, no, actually, that wasn't true. It was just a simple case of mistaken identity. If we were to take this verse at face value, then the most amazing thing about you and the most amazing thing about me is that this is not a case of mistaken identity. This gift is for you. Now, I've got here in my back pocket uh, a brand new 50-pound note. And it just so happens that last year, my wife and kids persuaded me to buy a dog. And so we've been going on all these dog walks. We've never had a dog before. So we're always out uh, now on Wimbledon Common with this dog. And so these are the shoes. You can't, perhaps can't see. I'm wearing my brown walking. These are the shoes I wear when, when we walk the dog, yeah? So um, they've got some mud. Not much, but a little bit of mud. Let's just imagine. It's all nice, clean, and crisp at the moment. But let's imagine I were just to stand on uh, the 50-pound note for a moment. So it's probably got a little bit of dirt on it now. But of course, it hasn't lost its value, yeah? I mean, it's still worth 50 pounds. But it's still quite sort of crisp. So what if I were to crunch it up, scrunch it up, crease it, fold it, scrunch it up? Now, a moment ago, it was clean and crisp, but then it got some dirt on it, but it was still worth 50 pounds. Now it's all scrunched up and creased, but it still hasn't lost its value. Folks, what this verse means is that it doesn't matter how creased or how scrunched up you might feel like your life is, you have never lost your value 
in God's eyes. Now, I think what I'll do now is I'm just going to throw this 50 pounds. Yeah, okay, I saw, I saw those hands. Into the congregation somewhere, okay? Because you see, why would I do that? Because you see, the thing is, if I do that, then you will remember this sermon because you think, oh yeah, yeah, he threw 50 pounds in the congregation. Why did he do that? Oh yeah, because it's a gift. The whole point of the verse is that you're valuable to God, so it's a gift. So I've decided that these guys over here are going to be my... Are you ready? Who's ready? Okay, here we go. Yes, good catch. Good catch. One-handed. It's good to see that. Good, Good reactions. Okay, second bit. Incidentally, don't try and give that back to me at the end. It really is a gift. That's the whole point. It's a gift, okay? So don't try and give it back to me. Uh, I said that in the first service, but lo and behold, the person came, can I give you your money back? No, 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 it's a gift. That was the whole point. It was a gift. All right. Second point then. The fact that God wants to give you a gift, the gift of eternal life, sounds like good news. Let me tell you my favorite story. My favorite story is from the news. It's a story about a woman who is at the supermarket. She's got a big family to feed. She's gone round. She's got all of her shopping. She's got her kids with her. She's got two trolleys that are full to overflowing with all her food shopping. And she's in the queue waiting to get to the checkout. And uh, the thing is that this lady, she's got that sinking feeling. Because she's got three credit or debit cards, but she's already worried that she's already maxed out the credit on all three of her cards. So she's starting to imagine, you know, that moment where, oh, sorry, madam, you know, all, her, all her items have all been scanned, they've all been bagged up. Oh, sorry, madam, for some reason that card's been declined. Oh, no matter, I've got another. Oh, for some reason, madam, I'm sorry to say that card's also. And people are beginning to look around, and she's worried about the whole scenario. And like, well, how will it feel when the third and final card is declined? And she's beginning to think about all of this. The queue's getting shorter and shorter. By this stage, there's only one person ahead of her in the queue. There's a man, and he's got a basket. He's just got one basket, and he's got only three items in his basket. So his three items are scanned really quickly, and then as he's getting ready to pay, the the bloke working at the cash-out cashier, he looks at his screen. He looks up at the man. He looks back at his screen. He says, sir... Sir, I've got some good news for you, sir. My screen is telling me, sir, that you have just won our free shopping competition. (laughs) Sir, my screen is telling me, sir, that congratulations are in order because, sir, you are our one millionth customer. And that means, sir, that I can tell you that all the items that you have brought to the checkout today are all absolutely free, he said. The bloke looks down at his basket and his three items. (laughs) But without missing a beat, he turns. He turns to the lady behind him in the queue, the lady with the two trolleys full of shopping. He throws his arms open wide. And he shouts, darling, he says, we've won. (laughs) And he gives her a massive hug. And she hugs him back. And all the items from her two trolleys are all scanned. And she gets all of her shopping absolutely free. Folks, the Bible's claim is that we are all heading to the checkout. 
That's the, the wages of sin is death bit. Yeah? That we've all maxed out our credit. And as the queue is getting shorter, I'm getting worried. Because I am in debt. If I am in debt, and I can't ever get myself out of debt, I need someone who is in credit to pay for me, to pay my debt. The Bible says that Jesus is in credit with God. Jesus is like the man who turns to you and me in the queue and says, we've won, and gives us a massive hug. Jesus is in credit. And Jesus loves you and me so much that on the cross, as he dies, he pays our debt. He says, it's paid in full. He literally says from the cross, it is finished. Jesus is rich enough and he's generous enough to pay the debts of everyone who puts their trust in him. And this really brings us to the third point of that sermon, which I heard nine months after I started to investigate Christianity, which is that God's gift of eternal life is given through Jesus Christ. Now, here is how this first began to seem relevant to me. Uh, folks, I'm one of these people who, uh, for whatever reason, for 15 years of my life, I would write something at the end of each day in my diary. You see, I'd write you know, great thoughts, or I thought at the time were great thoughts. I'd write you know, about what I really thought of other people. I'd write, like, like, this is like my secrets. This is the real me, you see. And here's the thing. No one has ever read a single page of these diaries except me. And I've kept it that way for a very good reason, because the thing is, if you were to come up now and start reading this, I would be gutted. I would be gutted if you knew what I was really like. Because this is the real me, yeah? Unvarnished truth. So there are good news and bad news. There are good days and bad days. But the thing is, there are things in here which I'm ashamed of. So let's imagine, just for the sake of the illustration, that God is somewhere up here. Now let's imagine that you and I are here, that we are made for a relationship with God and there's nothing in the way, yeah? But this thing, my 1997 diary, is a problem for me because, you see, it comes in the way between me and God. The Bible says about heaven, in the book of Revelation, the Bible says, nothing impure will ever enter it. Heaven is a perfect place. Well, that counts me out. Because I can't go back to 1997 and undo what happened, so I'm stuck. When I die, I can't go to heaven. I can't have eternal life. I can't get through. I can't undo. I can't turn the clock back. I'm stuck. The wages of sin is death. I'm facing eternal death, eternal separation from God. The wages of sin is death. That's what I'm looking at, the death penalty. But let's imagine that my left hand is Jesus of Nazareth. Now, here's a man who, according to the Bible, never sinned. And if that is correct, then he had nothing separating him from his father. Jesus is unique. He's in a category of one in that regard. He's got nothing separating him from his father until when he's 33 years old, when he's crucified on a Roman cross. He takes the death penalty and all of the sins of everybody who would ever put their trust in him 
are placed on him. So Jesus is cut off from his father. But hey, that isn't half good news for you and me. If we choose to put our trust in him, because look, the barrier has been removed. So yes, it's true that the wages of sin is death. But the good news is that the gift of God, woo, is eternal life. There's nothing in the way. You and I can go to heaven when we die. That's the free gift of God. Eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I thought maybe I'd just finish now by mentioning two benefits. Two benefits that I received in terms of the difference that that decision that I made to put my trust in Christ, that decision that I made, here's the difference, two of the differences that that decision has made for me. Two benefits. Number one, a new peace. And number two, a new confidence. So let me firstly give you just an amusing example of a time when peace came into my life. Uh, Folks, in our last house, one night at half past three in the morning, the alarm went off on our house and it was incredibly loud. It was a wah, a wah, a wah. My wife and I sit, oh, I've been in bed thinking, what is that horrible noise? A wah, a wah, it's our alarm, it's our alarm. We'd never heard it before. Wah, a wah, a wah. So, right, whoa, whoa, whoa. don't panic, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic. Adrian, just go downstairs like you were told to the understairs cupboard. Just punch in your four digits. That horrible noise will stop. So I go downstairs into the understairs cupboard. There's the control panel. I punch in my four digits. And still it's going, a wah. A wah, a wah. I think, whoa, must be the wrong, wrong four digits. Uh, somebody else's birthday. Whose birthday could it be? Try a different four digits. Uh, then try another four digits. Still, it's going, a wah, a wah, a wah. I can't switch this thing off. I think, okay. Uh, uh, so I go to the fuse board. And so I flip all the switches on the fuse board. So now there's no electricity coming into the house. But still, it's going, a wah, a wah, a wah. I think, whoa. Okay. Um, so I get... A hammer <laughs> and a chisel, and I chisel away the electrical casing of the wires that are going into the control panel. And then, don't do this at home. I pull the wires out of the wall, so there's no electricity in the house, and no wires going into the control panel. But still, it's going a wah, a wah, a wah. I cannot switch this thing off. So it's now quarter to four. I've got my semi-detached next-door neighbours, Fred and Val. And now in my living room, in their dressing gowns. <laughs> and this thing's going, a wah, a wah. I cannot switch this thing off. So I think, okay, Adrian, listen. Adrian, the control panel, yeah, that's under your stairs. The actual alarm that's making this horrible noise, Adrian, is on the front of your house. The control panel is under the stairs. The actual alarm is on the front of your house. So at 10 to 4 in the morning, I go outside into the street, there are two of my neighbors standing in the street, one of whom is almost entirely naked. (laughs) And they're just standing there thinking, Adrian, you punch in your four digits, we can all go back to sleep. You punch in your four digits, Adrian, it's like a communal thing. Everybody wins. We can all go back to sleep. You punch in your four digits. Still, this thing's going, at five to four in the morning, I've got a ladder and a sledgehammer. (laughs) 
And I put this ladder up on the front of my house. And I've got this sledgehammer. I'm going to smash this thing to smithereens off the front of my house. I'm going up this ladder. I get to the top of the... I'm quite looking forward to it at this stage. And I draw the hammer back. I'm about to smash this thing off the front of my house. And at that moment, it stops. <laughs> and the peace. I can hear the birds singing. Folks, for me, that's what it was like when I started following Jesus. A new peace came. Because you see, over the years, the pressure builds. The family hassles. A wah, a wah, a wah. The relationship hassles. A wah, a wah, a wah. The relationship breakup hassles. A wah, a wah, a wah. The work hassles. A wah, a wah, a wah. Parental expectation. A wah, a wah, a wah. <laughs> and then you put your trust in Christ, and a new peace comes into your life. And you know, it's not the same. Something's changed. Jesus Christ is living in me. I felt the benefit of that, a new peace. And then secondly and lastly, a new confidence. Many years ago, there was a young lady called Hannah. I, I've changed her name for the sake of the story for reasons that will become obvious. Um, and Hannah, this was some years ago, Hannah was really quite unpopular at school when she was 15. So at the end of one lesson, the teacher lost patience with Hannah and made her stand in front of the rest of the class. And the teacher offered the chalk to anyone who wanted to write on the blackboard what they thought of Hannah. And so, one by one, the kids came up, and they wrote various nasty, abusive names on the board. So eventually, all 29 of them had written something, and then the bell went for the end of the lesson. So all the kids got up and they walked out. And then the teacher got up and the teacher walked out. So Hannah's now all alone in the classroom. And so for the first time she turned around and she looked at those 29 nasty, abusive names on the board. And she sort of took a mental picture of those words now, you won't be surprised to hear that many years later, Hannah went, Hannah went to see a counsellor. Now, it just so happened that this counsellor was a Christian. And what the Christian counsellor said to Hannah was, Hannah, what I'm going to try and do is just to show you, Hannah, who Jesus is and what Jesus was doing when he went to the cross for you, Hannah. The counsellor said, Hannah, picture yourself back in that classroom. Picture yourself looking at those names on that blackboard. Now, Hannah, picture Jesus as a young man walking in to the classroom. Not carrying a, a wooden crossbeam, which is what, what he actually carried as he went to the cross. But instead, just picture him walking in with a wooden ball rubber. Now, Hannah, picture him just rubbing out every single one of those 29 nasty, abusive names. And then, Hannah, picture him getting a board 
squirter cleaner and a rag and just cleansing the board of every single trace of every single bit of those 29 horrible, nasty, abusive men. So now, Hannah, imagine the board's completely cleaned. Yeah. Then, Hannah, imagine Jesus picking up the chalk and writing on the blackboard, Hannah, who you will be if you put your trust in Christ. That you will be adopted. You'll be accepted. You'll be loved. You'll be cared for. You'll be washed. You'll be cleansed. You'll be a daughter of God. Do you know what happened next? Hannah and the counselor, they got in the car and they drove to the school. And they got to the classroom where it had happened. And of course, when they got to the classroom, it wasn't blackboard and chalk anymore. It was, you know, high-tech, whiteboard, uh, whatever. But Hannah sat where her old chair used to be in the same kind of place, and they got the system to work. And up on the whiteboard, she saw the following words appearing, that in Christ, she's adopted. In Christ, she's accepted, that she's washed and cleansed and loved and cared for, that she's a daughter of God. And that day, Hannah put her trust in Christ. And she received a new confidence. You can have that peace. You can have that confidence. Because even though the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hey. As I said earlier, I had a host of questions. I'm a naturally skeptical person. I can honestly say that I have followed the evidence where it led. For me, coming to know Christ has not been boring. Knowing Christ today is the most exciting element in my life. Discovering that there really is a loving God. Folks, that has been the single most thrilling discovery of my life. So let me finish now by recommending Alpha as a possible next step if you are interested. The talks, as you've heard, touch on all the big questions of life. Hey, if you were to come on the whole of the upcoming Alpha course, so starting Monday week, you come on every single week, you would be spending a total of about 20 hours of your life, looking into the claims of the most famous man who ever lived, the person who's had the biggest impact on the history of our world out of anyone who's ever lived, Jesus of Nazareth. And I think probably we could all agree, every single person here could all agree, that given a 70, 80, or 90-year life, spending 20 hours of that life investigating the claims of the most significant person who's ever lived in the history of our planet, we could probably all agree that time would be well spent irrespective of what conclusions we come to about the claims of Christ. But as I finish now, as I go and sit down, I'm not asking you to do the whole of the Alpha course. But I do want to ask you whether you would consider coming just for week one on Monday week. On a one-off no strings attached basis, 
just see what you think of Alpha. If you come to week one and then you decide, thanks very much, you, know, you don't want to carry on, well, that's just one evening of your life. But I'm bound to say that there really are tens of thousands of people who are so glad that they did try Alpha. My wife, Julia, and I personally know hundreds of people who would say that their decision to try Alpha turned out to be the single best decision that they've ever made. Why? Because we are doing an alpha launch on a Sunday morning, and we would really benefit from your feedback. What did you think of that? If we were doing this again in January next year, how could we do it differently? What did you like? What didn't you like? And while you're giving us your honest feedback, then if you are interested in alpha, if you are interested in alpha, you can tick one of the two alpha boxes. And if you are ticking one of those two boxes, then please tell us who you are. Tell us how we can get in contact with you. Because if you remain anonymous, then we can't help you. We, we, we can't serve you. We'd love to help you as best we can. Folks, the idea here is that if all of us join in, even if you come to this church every Sunday for 10 or 20 years, if we all join in, there might be one person sitting somewhere near you, and they would actually quite like to tick one of those two alpha boxes. But if everyone's reaching for a pen in the next 60 seconds, it's easy for them to join in. They can tick the boxes. But if they're like the only one, because other people aren't joining in, it's harder for them. So if we all join in, it'll only take us 60 seconds. We would genuinely appreciate your feedback. So we'll just have some background music now. And then in 60 seconds, we'll all be standing up and we'll all be singing. But please leave us your comments. God bless you. And thanks very much. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.